Are you looking to optimize your performance, grow your mind, and change your system? Well, you've come to the right place. I'm Brad Baker. And I'm Tom Broback. And, and this, this is the Bold Base Performance Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. Today, we chat with Alyssa Simones. Alyssa is a sports performance physical therapist at Healthy Baller in Rockville, Maryland. We are excited to chat with her as I've been following her on social media for a while, and I love the content she puts out as a dual strength coach and physical therapist. We also love connecting with athletes, and Alyssa fits the bill as playing Division I lacrosse. We are excited to get our Athletes with Asthma course live and online in July. If you or anyone you know struggles with asthma during their sport, this all-encompassing course on breathing, nutrition, exercise, mental training, and recovery will be your ticket to reversing your symptoms and optimizing performance. Make sure you check out the show notes to get signed up for the updates on this course. Let's continue to grow the mind, optimize performance, and change the system. Speaking of PT, let's dive into a little bit about Healthy Baller, about why you wanted to work there, how you started um like the, the the growing pains that you had the successes let's just dive into that and see where the conversation takes us yeah um so i kind of just kind of fell into my lap honestly i got really lucky with healthy baller um when i went to pt school you know i feel like probably similar to a lot of athletes you go you want to work with athletes you want to work for a professional sports team somewhere down the line um so that was kind of always my goal when i was in pt school i got my cscs um i played sports in college so i, I played lacrosse in college um so that's just kind of always been like what I wanted to do. Um, I did my, one of my rotations at True Sports in Baltimore. It's a pretty sports specific clinic. And then I had one at Exos. Um, and then when I came back from my one in Baltimore, I realized I didn't even know Healthy Baller was in like Rockville, Maryland. I had no idea. I like followed Teddy. I followed Wesley. I just didn't realize it was that close to like where I grew up. Um, and then, so I was home for my last clinical in Maryland and I just messaged Wesley and I was like, can I just come hang out and kind of like see what you guys do? Just kind of like, you know, I knew they were cash based. It was a different type of model. So I just, he was like, yeah, sure. Like, come on by. And I, and I went in and I just fell in love with, you know, like the facility, obviously it's great. It's like what you would grieve about mm-hmm. how you want athletes. Um, you know, everyone's just so great. Wesley was great. Teddy was great. And then I ended up going back in a couple of other times. Um, during my summer, I was still studying for boards. And then Wesley like texted me one day and was like, what, like, what kind of a job are you looking for? Do you want to stay in the Maryland area? Like what, like, what are your goals? And I talked to him about, you know, obviously wanting to work with athletes, um, be in a nice facility, but like my biggest thing was mentorship. And then, um, and I was like, I don't really care where I'm at. It doesn't really matter. Like I'd move if the job was right. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of happened that they were getting busy and him and Teddy kind of just like offered me the job. Um, so it was pretty awesome. It just kind of like fell, fell into place. They needed, they needed someone like in that July, August, and I had taken in July boards. So it was just perfect timing. Um, and then obviously, you know, you get there, it's cash based. So you're not having people send you necessarily not having people send you patients. Um, it's mm-hmm. all kind of word of mouth, you know, Wesley, everyone knows he's the ACL guy. So he's getting a lot of ACLs. Um, and then luckily he was so busy, like I was getting some of those. Um, and then, you know, Teddy's super popular. So like they were kind of able to help me a lot from that standpoint. So I didn't really have to grind out quite as hard as I think Wesley had to when he first got there. Um, they just kind of were so busy that they, they needed another PT. Um, 
but you know, I mean, it's, it's cash based. You don't have a salary. You know, if, you, if someone cancels on you, not, you're not making money. So it, it's kind of, it's been a lot of getting used to, you know, you don't have benefits, you don't have your 401k, your healthcare. So all that's kind of like separate. Um, but at the same time, you're like, you're building a business. Like it's pretty, it's just a really cool, definitely been a cool experience. It was um, definitely not what I was expecting to have as my first job. Um, but I definitely am, feel super lucky that I kind of got that job as my first job for sure. Yeah, that's that's like the ideal situation as far as the layout with like that facility and like you said, being cash based. And I think like, I'm a, are you the type of person that like you like betting on yourself sort of? Because like in that situation, you kind of have to bet on yourself that you're going to get the clients. People are going to like you. They're going to return. You're going to be able to build that business versus a typical model where, like you said, you have the benefits and other things. And there's kind of a funnel system from surgeons that are bringing them to you and things like that. Um but where do you fall on that? Because I'm definitely more on like that. I like the risk. I like the autonomy. I like just like taking the chance and like thinking that I'm going to be able to make it work. Yeah. So that's definitely kind of where I fall. I think um, being an athlete, you're kind of like used to that, right? Like, you know, you never want to take the easy route. And then like I talked to my parents and my mom was like, Alyssa, if you need, if you're going to do it, like you need to go in and not be scared. Don't be like, well, what if I don't make enough money? You need to go in and be like, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to do what I need to do. And, you know hang out there longer hours if you need to just so like your, your face is there and the athletes that are coming in to train see you and then you know if they get injured maybe they want to come see you um so you know my parents were really big on that with just being like if you're going to do it like you need to be confident about it and just go 110 percent and just really kind of like work your butt off and believe in yourself so i think also having my parents really support me in that um i think if they would have been like you know it's gonna be risky you know you may not be making money like i think maybe i would have second I would have thought about it a little bit and like maybe that's not what I want to do um but I think like the fact that I had them like in my corner and then the fact that it was just like what I had went to PT school for it was just it was a no-brainer for me I love the parallels of business and sports of how like if you go (laughs) if you go into a game and you're like fearful of losing or fearful that you're going to miss the shot or whatever then you're going to whereas if you go into the game and you're like I'm the best I'm going to do this and like you're striving for greatness versus like avoiding uh, failure. Right. It's like the same thing with business where like, Absolutely. I don't know, I, I just love drawing those comparisons because like a lot of times in PT, we were athletes growing up. You, you were at a much higher level than Tom or I were. Um, but then being able to utilize that in your career is super fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, like, you know, you have that competitive drive. So it's like, you're not, you don't want to fail. So like, that's like something you like have grown up, like being an athlete, you know, like that's not the option. So you just kind of have to come out on the other side. How do you, what? how do you define failure? Cool. Tough questions today. We're coming at you hard. Deep. Um, I don't know. I think for me, I just, like, I just, I constantly am setting goals for myself and I try and set a timeline. So I guess for me, like, Failure for me would be like not hitting it at that timeline, but then at the same time, if I don't reach one of those goals, I, I'm not just like, well, didn't reach it, like just throw it out. Like I'm then like, okay, well, what do I need to do? And then I just kind of have to like reshape what I'm doing and figure out how I can reach, how I can get there. I think that doesn't really answer the definition of failure, but I think that's kind of how like I define failure for myself. It's more of just like a I'm setting goals and then trying to trying to accomplish them. It's like a moving target. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's so hard too with when you have like a specific goal and some people would define failure as not even trying to get towards that goal. But if you try your hardest and put yourself in position and you still don't reach it, 
it's not like a total failure. Sometimes it's so black and white. Right. But if you get 98% of the way there, it's 98% farther than you would have if you never set the goal. And same thing with luck, too. You kind of said, like, you got lucky. There's a big difference between getting lucky and preparing yourself as much as possible. And when the opportunity comes, like, chance goes your way. Right. So you tried really hard to set yourself up. So when a position like healthy baller opened, you were ready to go versus, you know, just hoping something falls in your lap. Right. Yeah. The more you practice, the luckier you get. <laughs> it's the same thing in sports. When Ray Allen hit that shot in the NBA Finals, it looks like complete luck where he like backpedals, like gets the ball, shoots, makes it. He's and then you hear these stories shot. like he did this drill mm-hmm. in practice multiple yep. times. So you knew exactly where his spacing was. And he's taken thousands of reps. And with with COVID going on, how have how have you changed your outlook on like your job, your role, and just like how you fit within your company and your community there? Um, I think, you know, I think the biggest thing, I mean, obviously, you know, we've had to change up how we do things, you know, we're staying more spread out, you know, you're not really, we don't do a whole lot of manual therapy anyway, so obviously like we're not doing a whole lot of that anyways, but, um, you know, so we're, it's just kind of a different way of PT. I have some of my patients that are still wanting to just do online stuff instead. And I don't not like doing online stuff. I just think it, I like, I like having that face to face. I like being able to get them in, you know, you can do different things and I can like really see how you're performing something or versus, you know, happen to kind of see it on a, through, a, through a phone call or through a FaceTime or whatever it is. Um, but I think one thing that it's kind of made me think about is I, I think that a lot of people are going to start kind of using this telehealth option more so mm-hmm. than coming in. Um, I don't really know if I like that necessarily because I personally like that face-to-face contact. Um, and I think you can build relationships better that way. Um, but I think it's definitely going to change the way healthcare as a whole is going forward, I think, for sure. Yeah, we, we were actually talking about this on one of our more recent podcasts with like, how like for what conditions kind of it's necessary to be in person versus like certain situations where like the education is more important and just like them having an understanding of what's going on with them. And then obviously, you know, education and exercise is kind of like the, um, the most ideal, but so as someone who doesn't use a lot of manual, you still didn't really like the, the virtual aspect as much. I no, I didn't. So I just think, you know, um, well, one, you know, some people don't have equipment, so that makes it difficult. You know, I had some kids, I'm like, all right, we're going to take all your textbooks, throw them in your book bag, you're going to put it on your back, you're going to be doing the split squats. And it's just, it's harder to like, you know, I mean, it's just harder to kind of load people appropriately with some things. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, like kind of what you guys were just saying, like ACL, I think you need to be, you need to be in person. Um, obviously, for, for like a post-op ACL, like you will do a lot more stuff, but um, even sometimes it's just harder for like your younger kids, I think, to really see how they're doing the exercise. And sometimes I think when they're home, you know, they'll be doing the exercise. They're like half focused, half not focused. But like when they're in person, I think they focus a little bit more. Um, like I have, I have one patient and she's so much fun. But I think now that she's doing a lot of stuff on video because they went, um, they kind of just like went to the beach. They're like, well, if we're going to be quarantined, we're just going to be at the beach. Um, yes, that is so, the ideal strategy. Right. <laughs> come with you or yeah <laughs> but um she's like she's at the beach so I think for her 
she doesn't have a whole lot of equipment to begin with, but then also, like, I think she kind of loses focus a lot more being at home and, like, doing right. it through, like, a, a video call versus when she's in person, it's a little bit easier to be like, all right, let's focus for a minute, let's do these exercises, and then we can talk about your TikTok or whatever it is, but, um, so, yeah, I still think that I, and I also just, like, I like seeing people, like, talking to people, I just like that connection better, like, in person versus through, like, a TikTok call or Skype or whatever it is. I agree with the environment part. If you're at home and you're the only one who's working out and someone's watching TV and someone's making dinner and someone else is on the phone, it's really hard to be focused and engaged and giving your best effort versus when you come into the facility and there's a ton of other kids your ages and there's a bunch of music going on and people are motivated and you get that face to face. It's you're going to get a higher level experience that way. And that's why the in-person can never go away because it's, it's, if you had to like go head to head, like the in person is always going to be better. But if you can't come in, virtual is a decent option for now. Right. Absolutely. Something I'm super curious about because you do a lot with return to sport, right? Yeah. I, so it's it's interesting because kind of like every single athlete is going through return to sport right now, not necessarily from injury, but from COVID. Yeah. And more specifically, like the psychological factors that play into that. And we were touching on it a little bit before we started recording of just like the risks associated with athletes going from being pretty sedentary to then doing like very structured practices where it's not an open environment. There's not defenders because they have to keep their space and then just like diving into competition um, where there's physical risks with it, but also like the psychological. And I'm just curious to get your take on like, I don't know, you, you were a high level athlete and like the psychological aspect that you think plays into not playing your sport for a very long time, not playing against an opponent or having the feel of like somebody bump into you or whatever, and then you just dive in, how that might play out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I think it's going to affect kids that aren't injured quite as much because I'm trying to think, I'm just thinking like if I was a kid, I'm, I'm going to be so excited to get back out there. I don't know that, but again, that could also kind of, that's going to be a problem too. You know, these kids are going to go so hard so fast. Um, yeah. I don't know that, I, and this might just also be like when I was a kid, I was just like, I was a daredevil. Like I would, I would do whatever. So maybe like I didn't care, but I'm sure there's definitely probably kids that are like, you know, I haven't played in so long. I'm like, you know, I haven't, I haven't done these movements. Um, so that's gonna, I mean, that's sure that's gonna play, play into some stuff. I think obviously, you know, people come back from injury, that psychological component, um, you know. The, Express, I'm thinking ACL specifically, you know, they're going to be scared that every time they plant turn, is, is their ACL going to give again or, you know, like if they get hit. Um, but yeah, I actually haven't really thought about too much about the kids. Like it was actually interesting the way you just framed that because I hadn't really thought about that either. Like everyone's kind of going back to return to sport play right now. Yeah. Um, really thought too much about that component and the psychological aspect. Um, and and then, yeah, and I think obviously, like you alluded to, the, um, every person is going to be different based on how they generally handle things and their personality. Like you, like you would just dive out there and maybe do too much too soon and put yourself at risk that way. But, um, I think there are going to be athletes that are going to be more tentative and be like, you know, like you said, I haven't done this in a while. I don't know how this is going to go. Um, cause it's very different from like dribbling a ball by yourself to going out and playing, um, in that high speed environment with contact and everything. But so, so what for you, if this was to go back in time during like maybe like high school, college career athletics, 
and COVID happened at that time, what kind of athlete are you? Like, what would you be doing during this time off? Would you be dialed in or would you be like, uh, I'm going to watch some Netflix and I'll get back to it when season gets closer? I would for sure be dialed in. I was that kid that, like, my coaches had to be like, like you need to not run today. You need to not lift today. <laughs> and, like, they'd be like, if we see you in the weight room, like, we're, we're, you're going to get in trouble. Like, do not go to the weight room. So I would probably be that athlete that probably get hurt over COVID because I'd be doing, I'd be like, well, I'll just go, you know, I'll do some sprints in the morning, I'll lift in the afternoon, and then I'll like run later. And like, I'd probably like, be breaking my body down because I'm <laughs> so bored that like, I feel, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just keep training. Because um, I was just, I was always, like, my summers, regardless, I was always training so hard. Like, I think my parents always were like, oh, so you need to slow down. Like, you're doing too much. Um, but I just was always so excited for season and I just always wanted to to be the best and like I also I feel like for me I just didn't want like things I could control like my strength and my speed and like my my endurance and all that I was like you can control that so that shouldn't be like a limiting factor to your performance so for me I think I would definitely be the one like probably hurting myself over COVID. did you grow up with siblings yeah I had one older sister okay I feel like having siblings is such an advantage at this time because they're gonna be motivated to like staying at if they're if they're athletic like they're gonna be motivated staying active and even for me, when I'm thinking back, I had three brothers and our next door neighbors, there's, there's two guys our age. It's like, there's six of us. We were always playing back there, baseball, playing back there, football, shooting hoops. It's so much easier, at least for, for my mentality to stay motivated when other people around you are doing the same thing versus like you're an only child and you have no neighbors to play with. It is hard to get after it every day, but I think yeah. siblings just make for, for better athletes anyways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, then you're like competitive with them and all of that. Um, as I was telling you guys that I would be the one to hurt myself, it made me think that we had a couple of athletes, lacrosse players, that they were like, well, we were so bored, we just started going on these really long runs. And we were like, and like now they have like one of one girls like a stress fracture in her foot. And we're like, what? Like, she's like, well, I just, we we're like, how far do you run? She's like, like nine miles. And we're like, have you ever done that? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I was just so bored so she was just like running through DC just like looking at all the pretty stuff down there and I'm like like I get it like I'd be bored I'm like I've been bored so I've been like doing like weird like I'm like I'll just go for like a seven hour walk at this point I'm so bored but yeah so I think you know that's like like you have the two extremes you have the people that are doing way too much or the people Mm -hmm. that are absolutely nothing and so it's gonna be interesting when everything kind of starts somewhat going back to normal yeah, over overtraining during quarantine is uh, quite the quite the ability to be able to do that. <laughs> That's insane. Um, were you were you as an athlete like so you were training arguably too much? Like how were you on the recovery side of things? Sleep like was your diet locked in? What was some of that stuff like? My my diet was definitely I ate super healthy. Um, like I like I. My parents probably thought I was too strict about that stuff too. The one thing I did really bad at, I like used to never drink water. I literally, I would drink coffee. You're one of those, huh? <laughs> and that was like what I lived on. Like I like diet soda and coffee. And I was like, these are oh no. I couldn't drink. <laughs> I had to not drink water in college. Um, my sleep was good. I, I was that person, like I got up so early, like I would get up at like 5.30. I'd be in bed by like 8.39. <laughs> that's like, so much that's impressive. Good. My diet was good, but besides the water aspect, <laughs> I didn't do a good job taking like recovery days. Like I, I was that person that was like, I don't need to take it all day. I'm fine. I've never, and like I never had any injuries growing up as a kid. Like I never, like I had some ankle sprains, but 
if you play floor three, you probably sprained your ankle before. But I was lucky I never had any other serious injury. What's the worst injury you've ever had? This, uh, I broke my clavicle skiing in January. Oh, this past year? Yeah. That was, like, really, honestly, it's the only time I've been injured. Besides, besides like, ankle sprains, I've never had any other injuries. Downhill? Yeah. To go off that, did you do a bunch of strength training growing up then? Like, were you motivated? Because if you never have injuries, it's hard to have that extra motivation to 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 go in the weight room and do that thing unless you're only see it for the performance side but it's hard to care about injury prevention when you're never hurt yeah so um i think one thing that was really good for me and my sister I me mean, my sister was also never injured we played three sports we played soccer lacrosse and basketball however like when i think about it I'm like you know during soccer season we were also playing like fall ball lacrosse and then during basketball season we were playing indoor lacrosse indoor soccer so we were definitely doing a lot but i think you know having that cross training helped and then when i was in eighth seventh grade we started going to a place in baltimore it was called sweat performance um and started doing they did like speed agility and strength training so my parents kind of got my sister and i that fairly early um, I think I think my dad, he, he played um, sports growing up, my mom not so much, but I think that he kind of recognized how important that was, and, um, you know, he, he knew enough about how important strength training was and injury prevention type stuff, so he kind of got us on that pretty early. We kind of kept going through that. That's huge, so yeah. So, with, with all that information, it just seems like you would have broken down, and then that always leads back to the question for me, do we over... Do we like overestimate how resilient kids are or underestimate how resilient they are? Because I think society as general sees kids as so fragile. And then it's like, no, they're actually like pretty tough. They're pretty strong and they can get through a lot of different things. Whereas, whereas if you actually think about their schedule, like lack of sleep, the drama in high school, the stress of sports, the stress of college, doing all the school work tests. It's like, it's actually quite a bit to go through and they seem to always come out okay. So do you, do you overrate or underrate how resilient kids are? And if so, why? I think, I think people underrate it. Um, because I think, you know, everyone's so afraid, you know, we talk about load management a lot, right? And I, and I think about how, like, how much load I put myself in when I was like a kid, when I was in middle school, high school, and I'm like, I've never had any injuries. Like, None of most of my friends didn't have a lot. Of, like most of my friends didn't really have injuries either. Like we were all fine. I think that um, and I don't know if it's. I think it plays a part too. I think more people are now trying to specialize sooner. So I think you tend to see more of these injuries happening as someone who's you know a baseball player who's playing baseball all year round, nothing else. Uh, lacrosse players yep. who are playing lacrosse and nothing else. So I think that you know having um, different sports and different kinds of stimulus and stuff is super helpful. I also think, think like, I mean, if you think about like, when we were kids, I was never sitting in the house at home, right? Like, I no, mean, you're always outside no. playing, you're doing stuff. So I think now, too, it's like people play their sport and then they're home. And I think that kind of plays a big part into it as well. You know, we were out, like, riding bikes, going over ramps, doing all sorts of stuff, like playing in the woods, doing all kinds of crazy stuff outside. Um, so I think we were just like, you know, you're, you're, you don't know when you're a kid, but you're constantly building that tolerance, doing all the crazy stuff you're doing. So then when you are playing sports, you know, you have a higher tolerance for that as well. I think that plays a factor. I, I think you just hit on two super huge things. And yeah, when I think back to like when we were growing up, like you said, we were always playing outside doing a bunch of different things. Like it'd be like 
capture the flag and then ghost in the graveyard and then like all these different things where it's like testing your agility or like tag tag is awesome and like that variability of play and when i think back to like all of my friends like that's what we did growing up and then i also think back and i don't know that i had one friend who only played one sport like everyone was kind of in like multiple sports and i don't remember anybody um no ACLs come to mind. There was something like there was a couple like clavicle fracture, things like that, um, which probably rains a little bit too, uh, too soon, too soon. Um, but I don't know. It's it's just like, obviously, that's anecdotal from what I can remember on the spot. But it is just interesting to think about that. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of it too comes from people think they have to specialize, right? I mean, so many people like what, like, you know, you get people asking me, what age should I start really focusing on just basketball or just across and I'm like I like never until you go to college yeah and you're playing the sport college I mean I played all three sports all through high school so you guys like I mean so you guys did multiple things all through high school as well like you don't have to specialize I drove by a house the other day and these kids were playing a night game or a yard game whatever you want to call it it was either uh ghost in the graveyard or capture the flag and I was super jealous because I don't know what age maybe it's like after high school, sometimes in college, you just stop doing those things with your friends. Right. And it's really unfortunate because it's probably one of the best things you can be doing at 9.30 at night instead of, like, sitting inside watching Netflix or playing video games. Right. Like, you're out, you're doing something active, you're with your friends, and you're staying out of trouble. So I really miss those days. And I wish, I wish we held on to those things a little bit longer than we do as a society. Because now if a bunch of 28-year-olds got together and playing Ghost in the Graveyard... People be like, oh, what are they doing? Like, they're up to trouble. Or they, you know, it's just some of that, like, fun stuff goes away. And it's really unfortunate because it's so good for development and for your health, both physically, mentally, emotionally. But I got really jealous. They didn't invite me to play. I was also bummed that way, too. I remember being like, hey, like, can I play? And they all just, like, stare at you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So now now for the toughest question. What was your favorite night game growing up? Flashlight tag. Oh, I've never played okay. that. Okay. What? Sleeper what? alert. Those of you never played flashlight tag? No. Oh, we don't have that in Minnesota. Basically, just like regular tag where you play at night, and like the way you get out is it's like you sign your, like if the flashlight hits you. So it's like you have two teams and you go hide, and like there's like, it's kind of also similar to capture the flag. So like we always play like the basketball hoop was like the flag, and like so whoever was hiding, you guys had to then try and sneak out of your hiding spot and tag the, the basketball net or the, the hoop, whatever, okay. without tagged by the flashlight. So but so they didn't even have to be in your proximity. As long as they hit you with the light, it was yeah. okay. Okay. So fun. And then, but then we always had to fight because people would be like, it didn't hit me. And then someone yeah. would like, it, it hit you. And they're like, no, it didn't. It that's, what I was, that's what I was just thinking. Like, it's kind of like on your honor where, like, if I mean, if you're, like, the last person – on your team and you're trying to like hold it down so that like the other team doesn't win. I would, I would lie so quick about the light hitting me. I'd be like, no, no, that never touched me. I was so competitive. (laughs) Brad, we're going to have to play that sometime. That sounds super fun. That that does sound really fun. Flashlight tag that. It's so fun. What about you? Favorite game. We played ghost in the graveyard a bunch growing up and yeah, that's probably my favorite night game. How are you, Brad? We had a podcast on this. Yeah, I would say uh, 
Uh, just on just on our favorite games growing up. Yeah, uh, Ghost no, in the Graveyard. No, I forget I forget which one won. <laughs> Ghost in the Graveyard is up there though. We did a full podcast on Ghost in the Graveyard. Um, <laughs> no, I I would say either that one or um, I guess we did like Nighttime Capture the Flag, which was super fun because like overall I think that's my favorite game. Um, but yeah, that and Ghost in the Graveyard were very similar. Yeah. Wow, now it's like making me like want to play these games again. I know. I know. Well, we're bringing these up, bringing these back as twenty-some-year-old kids. <laughs> Don't worry, my dad—he just turned sixty-five, and he still identifies as a kid. So we we got some time. That's awesome. Do we think kids today even know what half these games are, though? Well, I don't know. I just saw them playing it, so they're somewhere in in Woodbury, Minnesota. These kids still know what's up, but like the, the kids you see, I guess they might be a little bit older. But do they ever talk about doing things like that? No, I feel like half that's like, sad. Like, what have you been doing? They're like, oh, well, I watched this show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my biggest pet peeve is when someone comes in and it's like, yeah, I'm on the office for the fifth time, and it's like, are you kidding? Like, like I get it like once or twice, but you gotta be able to do something different. Right. I cannot, I cannot watch the same movie or show or anything twice. I don't like it. Like, I need to have like not knowing what's coming. Once I know what's coming, what's the point? There's very few shows and movies that I could watch twice. What what's the what what's your top show? My favorite show of all time is Friday yeah. Night Lights. Oh respect. That is that is a great I, answer. I for sure watched that multiple times. I'm pretty sure I could like just quote the entire everything else good. Who's your favorite character? Um I think Landry. <laughs> really? Oh, he's so and like he's just he so, is. so funny <laughs> um. so my mom doesn't really watch a lot of tv and a couple summers ago she's like i was living at home and she's like hey do you want to watch friday night lights I'm like the show she's like yeah i'm like sweet let's put it on and we got through a season she she like really doesn't watch tv um and we got through a season in like a week she was just like can we watch another one i'm like Mom, you really like the show, huh? So it hits so many different uh, audiences and, and populations and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you do for like fun or relax or recover or just like to like, get out of the headspace of work in the day to day? Like, what are your, I guess, hobbies? I hate that word hobbies, but like, what do you do for fun then? Yeah. So um, uh, I, I love, I like, used to hate running, but I've actually gotten really into running. So I run almost every day. Um, lifting obviously but um i used to just love going and playing like wall ball for like lacrosse or like just shoot hoops obviously i haven't really been able to do that recently because of my shoulder but um yeah i just like to be outside honestly my favorite hobby would probably be going to beach i went to pt school in charleston so i would like just like after class like we'd all just go to the beach and like hang out like spike ball and stuff um so yeah i think probably those those sorts of things. I like being outside. I hate sitting outside. What's your spike ball game like? Awesome. I <laughs> good answer. <laughs> that was a softball. Our, our our spike ball games got intense on the beach. We're all like diving all over the place. People would be like staring at us. Um, did you did you try putting it where like half of the spike ball net is in the water and half is on the beach? Have you ever done that? I have not. That is so fun because then it's like when you do like divers and stuff, you just dive into the water and like hit it up and 
Ooh, that's that's ideal playing position. We're gonna try that this summer. <laughs> we are gonna play some. Brad and I are gonna play some spike ball this weekend. So it's been we haven't played this year yet. So it'll be fun to get that back out. But mm-hmm. yes, the combination of like friends, sports, and being outside, it's just so hard to beat. And especially when you live in like a northern state, you just appreciate from yeah. Memorial Day to Labor Day that much more. And I'm yeah. sure it's even a big difference from South Carolina and Maryland. Maybe not. Not a weather expert, but it just you appreciate the times you can go outside that much more without having yeah. to wear a coat or a jacket. Absolutely. South Carolina, not as much. It's pretty nice all year round. Um, and I, I hate the cold. I do not do well in the cold. So, like, when I went to school in South Carolina, I got so used to, like, the warm weather. Um, I started thinking, like, 50 degrees was cold. And I remember my first, my first weekend back in Maryland, it was, like, a high of 11 degrees. Frozen. And I was like, I'm never going outside. It's too cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how do I used to play like sports outside this cold? I don't know. It's crazy. Seriously. We had a couple days we had a couple days this winter. It was like unsafe to go outside. It was like minus fifty wind chill. Like, oh my gosh, why am I doing this? It was miserable. Move. Why do you live there? You need to move. <laughs> Seriously. So I want to dive back into the shoulder a little bit. Not to not to bring up repressed memories, but who did your rehab for that? So I didn't, so when I first, okay, so I fell on my shoulder, I got my x-ray, complete break, it was commuted, they had put a plate in it, um, and screws, and then I was in a sling for six weeks, like, not really stayed, like, didn't want me to do it. My surgeon also said, he was like, I'm very conservative, and I was like, all right, I guess that's fine. Um, so I was in a sling. You're like, all right, I'm the opposite. (laughs) Um, but. So this also, like, I'll continue to tell you about Maria, but this gave me, like, a new appreciation for the whole process because I had never been hurt before. And I think in my head, I just, I was like, I'm just going to come out of this surgery and just be, like, moving my arms and be totally fine. I came out of surgery. I was like, my shoulder hurts so bad. I was like, this is terrible. And, like, just, like, you know, it'd be, like, times I, like, reach up to, like, turn the volume up in my car. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that hurts so bad. And, like, so it definitely gave me a whole new appreciation for, like, knowing what these kids are going through, like, when they're when they're injured. Um, but I kind of did my own rehab. Teddy and Wesley helped me out a little bit, but I kind of just did it myself. Um, I mean, for the most part, like, until the plate came out, it was really just working on my motion. Um, and then, obviously, like, a little bit. But he, he put me on, like, a 5, 10-pound weight limit. So I wasn't allowed to really do a whole lot at all anyways. Um, I'm not going to say I followed that totally because there are definitely times I'd like putting on like a 35 pound bumper plate on like a sled for someone. I was like, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, but then I got the, I actually got the plate out two weeks ago and it feels so much better. Like before, like when I was like at the top of like flushing, it just like didn't feel great. And now that the plate's out, like, I'm just like, like, it feels so much better. So, um, like my motion is pretty much fine. So now, I mean, I've, I've been doing pretty much my own rehab and I'm just kind of working on strengthening, getting back to my typical rehab. I think because it was just bone and it wasn't like a tendon or ligament, I'm not, my rehab hasn't really been super involved. Um, Cause it's just kind of been like letting the bone heal and then like get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been fairly what, simple. What's the most challenging strengthening exercise you've done for the shoulder for your own rehab? I think honestly, probably like push up type stuff because when you get into that for like getting deep into that push up, that doesn't feel good on my shoulder. So for me, like even 
like one of the most frustrating things for me was just holding like a tall plank position. My left arm's totally fine. My right arm is just like shaking. I'm like, why is it so weak? I don't understand. Yeah. It was so frustrating. Um, so probably like that in like a floor press. Um, it's also just crazy. I mean, you know, like you give this kind of stuff to people all the time, but just like simple rotator cuff stuff. I'm like, why is this like three pound weight so hard? Yeah. It's so hard on my left arm, but like I also have like no shoulder muscles, I don't think. So it's <laughs> Well, it's but, so funny when you're the patient, six months seems like forever or five months for you, whatever it's been. And when you're the PT, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not as strong. And it's been six months. And you're just like, yeah, like, that's normal. Like, give it a year, right. give it a year and a half. Like, you will get back to it. But yeah. but when you're in it, it's so much harder to be patient. Absolutely. And like, I know for me, like, I just like thought it was I was going to be fine. I just thought like once I come out of the sling, my arm was going to feel fine. I was going to do all these things. And like, things hurt my motion like wasn't great and I was getting so frustrated and like there were times like Teddy must have been like Osa you literally just got a plate put in your shoulder like you had a massive fracture like two weeks ago three weeks ago it's it's okay like this is normal and I was just like I'm just frustrated and I don't like like so it's definitely like a process and again like you know it makes me like understand like how patients get like because as a PT I'm like yo you got ACL surgery four months ago of course, you're, like, not going to be back to where you were. But, like, and then me, I'm, like, six weeks out. And I'm, like, I don't understand why I'm not as strong. Yeah. I don't get Classic. <laughs> going back to the sling, what was your activity level like when you were in the sling? So, now I was, I mean, he didn't really want me to do anything with my arm in the sling. Um, right. As far as activity level, like, I was doing some, like, like, I would do, like, for, like, lifting. I was trying to, like, I would pull weights in my left arm and do like split squats or do like ankle with like longer quads i would go for walks or like i would do the elliptical i probably look ridiculous on the elliptical because like my arms are like trying to um i would bike i would do sled pushes like reverse sled push um i just tried to do whatever i could just like stay active because like for me like i was i can't sit on the couch all day this is boring Mm -hmm. that's exactly what i wanted to hear because when people are in a sling they think their other arm and their legs are, are are useless and they can't do anything. And it's like, yeah, maybe you have to walk more. Maybe you have to modify the exercises you do. Maybe your left arm gets a little more tired because it's holding all the weight for every exercise you do. But you can do more than just sit on the couch and wait for those six weeks to come. So I was really glad to hear you found ways to adapt. You stayed, you stayed active and you made the best of the situation because you still have two good legs and a good arm. I've heard that quote before. And it's so true. It's yeah. you know, you're not you don't have two slings and two broken feet. Like move, find a way to do it, find some help. And you had great resources around you to keep you level headed, motivated, and encouraged as well. And we all need that, even if you are a PT and you've seen this a hundred times before in other patients. And I think too for me, I, I was trying to do a lot of like some rotator cuff stuff with my left arm at a time because I'm just like thinking I'm like crossover effect. I mean it's it's gotta have something. So I'm like you Exactly. Know, get my left arm stronger and then we'll kind of go from there but mm-hmm. did you do any bfr with it i actually did not i haven't i i didn't i probably should have i didn't really and i guess we did think about it but um upper upper extremity it doesn't always feel as great like i, I would definitely prefer to use it for lower extremity but just curious on that too i used it on my arms one time and i was doing with bicep curls and it was terrible and i did not like it not it's not a pleasant experience. It's all right. Patient patient preferences. It is always a 
a key indicator of how well therapy is going to go. So if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. It's totally okay. Well, awesome. It's been really good to chat with you. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, Hopefully you get to play some night games sometime this summer. I know Brad and I are, we're going to get spike ball in for sure. I'm not sure about ghosts in the graveyard. We'll, we'll try yeah. flashlight tag and let you know how it goes. And then we can have a podcast on flashlight tag. All right. All right. That's perfect. I, I love the attitude. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Alyssa. We'll, uh, we'll put all your info in the show notes and uh, thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. Let's continue to grow the mind and change the system.